Hey everybody, welcome to Random Musings from the Clinical Trials Guru. I really want to thank you for listening. If you feel compelled to do so, make sure you subscribe, uh, leave a review, comment, share, whatever you feel like doing. Help me out trying to grow this podcast, trying to continuously deliver value. A couple of things before we get into the show, check out the links in the show notes to my CRA Academy, my CRC Academy, both of them doing very well as far as getting people jobs in the marketplace. Check those out. Also, if you need help getting studies for your site or anything else, or even launching a site, basically any help for your site, we have a low monthly fee consulting service where we have helped many clients become and continue to be successful site owners through our background efforts of business development and support staff. Text me 949-415-6256. Please check out the links in the show notes as well for the book, The Comprehensive Guide to Clinical Research. It's been selling really well, getting very well received by the community. Thank you guys so much for that. Also check out the YouTube member page. Join this channel to get perks. That's my YouTube uh, membership. It's 10 bucks a month. You get a monthly mastermind exclusively. It's a Zoom call every month with other YouTube members. Uh, You also get weekly videos exclusive to the YouTube members on how to use social media to improve your opportunities in life sciences. So check that out. Really means a lot to me. And thank you so much again for listening and enjoy the show. Uh, So Daniel Torres... You got a great name, Daniel. All right. <laughs> we did this interview months ago. Yep. Um, and I never hit record. All right. And I, I apologize, but I learned a lot about you from that hour-long conversation. But now Guru Nation gets to learn a lot about you. And you currently work for Mass General. You're a CRA Academy graduate. You've got so much ahead of you in this industry. Thank you for wearing the Yuma Clinical Trials shirt. <laughs> you've course, done always. you've done work for us in the past, and it's always helpful to have like a little bit of Creo help. Maybe mm-hmm. let's start with that first. Yeah, let's sure. make this a little bit different than the last interview. What are your thoughts on eSource, eReg? What are your thoughts on my site, Yuma Clinical Trials? You know, <laughs> um, compare it with mass general <laughs> what, <laughs> yeah. you know i know you don't see yeah. patients with us here but um mm-hmm. try to like compare it a little bit yeah so to clarify mgh it's academia research right and human clinical trials of course it's uh research uh, clinical research human trials with uh, ips so that on its own it's completely different than academia uh i love how versatile Yuma has been getting uh, all the different tasks that I've been handling there with, of course, Katie and Desiree and Sam. Uh, it's so much more enjoyable for me as a person, you know, like to handle so many different tasks, um, which, uh, again, is different from academia. Academia is more structured, more slower paced. It's good, of course, as a as a job, as an industry. They do great work in 
cancer research and of course the one I'm doing now it's for opioid use disorder and ah, it, it's quite okay. interesting study like there's a lot to learn from that you know I think we might get that study oh, um, okay is, it's, did that study start like is that brand new for us yes but it's, yeah mm-hmm. I think we're going to be an add-on site too and it was supposed to start sometime and I actually have to follow up with them but um, maybe they forgot about us. But I have to, that actually reminds me because that's a, they were looking at us. If it's the same one, I'm not sure. And we don't mm-hmm. need to mention the sponsor. Actually, even yeah, if I wanted to, I can't think of, can't remember it. But um, interesting. Okay. So there still might be some overlap, but even between academia and see with, with academia, like sometimes those key opinion leaders, the PIs, um, mm-hmm. they're also, used for industry sponsored trials too um and and the matter of fact the industry like the sponsors especially the smaller biotechs they love it for their investors when they could send a press release that say hey dr so-and-so from mgh is one of our mm-hmm. investigator like yeah. it, investors they don't know anything about our industry so they just see big names and press release and they're like oh they get excited you know they invest more um, yeah, exactly. When in reality, we know like, hey, there's definitely a place for mm-hmm. academia, but the majority of like the bang for buck, the efficiency comes from the smaller sites, I think. Mm-hmm. And I just interviewed mm-hmm. three triplet. Guess this, Daniel. I interviewed three triplet OBGYNs. They're identical triplets, <laughs> all OBGYNs in Miami doing uh-huh. a private clinic. And they do research. It was amazing. I was wow. so confused. So confused <laughs> in the a... interview. I didn't know who to ask what. They just, you ask question and whoever wants to answer. Yeah, <laughs> it was, what, are, it was... <laughs> what are the chances of that happening? Unreal. Wow. Never did that before. But yeah, <laughs> like there is a place where academia, you know, people always think that I don't like academia or something. It's like, this is why I wanted you on because you work for both. And yep. they both have pros and cons, right? And mm-hmm. I know Sam who works for uh, Dana Faber, who's been on podcasts before, and she's from the CRC Academy. Um, Mm -hmm. She likes, there's people that like those kind of structure. There's people that like the more chaotic structure. (laughs) And then there's people that want to try both. And it seems like you're one of those, you know, that just kind of wants to try a little bit of everything. But with MGH, there's a lot of... um, of benefits of working for a company like this, right? Oh, yes. I mean, for the perks alone and the benefits, it's excellent. Uh, MGH is right now ranked eight on top hospitals around the U.S. Unrivaled. It's, and it, they, they've always been around there, like the top one, five, eight, tens, but they never fall under that. So, yeah, they're always, always higher ranked. What do you think of their, um, well, what do you think of our e-source, um, Yuma Clinical Trials? Like, you've you've actually programmed <laughs> source, mm-hmm. Katie. We kind of taught Katie based on Samantha and you. Like, she knows how to like reprogram. She knows how to modify. So we just had an amendment where oh, the okay. sponsor asked us to, to not do something anymore. So she knew how to take it off. Um, mm-hmm. So like simple things like that. But like you create the whole thing from scratch. So. 
what do you think of like systems like that? Do you enjoy doing that kind of stuff? And do you get to do stuff like that with uh, MGH? Um, I come from a family of full computer engineers. So I've grown up with coding. <laughs> so uh, that that's when I saw the coding that you had to create in order to build the EDC. It was like, oh, this is second nature to me. Uh, because if you ever were back in the 90s creating your own website with HTML, you have Foxia or hot pink websites with all your <laughs> green fonts that I did that. So once I looked at the DDC, it's like, oh, okay, this is very, very similar. Codes, what they do, and just don't forget the parentheses. And that's <laughs> how you build a website. Uh, room for improvement, yes, of course, uh, but mainly on the service, the hardcore website, you know, like sometimes you have to really be specific of where you click in order to activate a window and things like that. But besides that, the system works. Uh, right now, for instance, I don't do that at MDH. I only do that for Yuma. Um, but yeah, uh, it it was a very enjoyable experience for me. Um, we have another study I, starting soon too, so uh, we'll be yeah. asking you for help. Yeah, again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, yeah. So, uh, take us back because in the last interview where I never recorded it, you have a really <laughs> you have a really interesting story of how you came to the states. You know, there's a large segment of my audience my viewers and listeners that are in similar situation or are always asking either for themselves or someone else, how you can make that transition in your case. It was Spain, right? You came from Spain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can you kind of so, walk us through this? Like, um, how did it mm -hmm. work? Um, I was doing a master's in Spain. It's called R and D and I, I stands for innovation of new medicines. So research, development, and innovation of new medicines, right? Um, after that, I just started working inside Spain uh, for about five, six years before the pandemic hit. Um, but back then, I met who is right now my wife, Sam, and we were in the process of the, uh, the fiancé visa. So that's actually how I got into the United States. Uh, we were actually apart for a year because of the pandemic. We weren't allowed, I wasn't allowed to go to the US and she wasn't allowed to go back into Spain. So we had to do all that long distance. Um, but for instance, that was quote unquote the easier way, you know, uh, to have a fiance who is American, and for you to be able to migrate. But let's say you're not in that position. For instance, I have a friend, uh, John Hopkins, who is doing a PhD, and he doesn't have a fiancé. He doesn't have a sponsor, an American sponsor. His options are either search a job that will sponsor him, an industry like a private company or a hospital or clinic. Or get married. <laughs> those are, <laughs> I mean, realistically speaking, those are his two options. 
So two so, options: find a company that will sponsor you. From your which experiences, there are, there are. It's it's harder to find, of course, but there are. I actually interviewed a couple of weeks ago with one that was willing to sponsor me, but since I don't need it, you don't need it. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, I I said no. I I don't need sponsorship. Uh, but believe it or not, there are companies who are willing to sponsor. Uh, people with no green cards or are they typically the bigger companies like um the academics or who who no i I would i would suggest to find small to mid companies probably startups biotechs um and if you're not into clinical research like you can find still non-clinical research uh, who deal with biotechs i see Mm -hmm. Especially if you have like those coding skills and computer skill mm-hmm. or just like yeah. anything technical. I mean, PhD, certainly there's a biotech or a startup or a genomics company looking mm-hmm. for talent. Yeah, because they're in very aggressive mindset. They want to grow quickly. So they, are with, they would be more willing to sponsor someone if they know, okay, he or she can bring a lot into the table. I see. Let's, let's give them that, that option. But you had Samantha, your fiance, uh, <laughs> so you didn't need to worry about that. And by the way, thank you for introducing Samantha to my world. And she then took the <laughs> CRC Academy after you took CRA mm-hmm. Academy. And she's now working yep. in the industry. So you guys are, yep. we got to do an interview with you guys together, like <laughs> the happy couple working in she, clinical research. She, she's, she's promoting not only Yuma or the course, but she's promoting clinical research. Like she owns it yeah. <laughs> to everyone. <laughs> it's like, hey, what are you doing? You want to go into clinical research? <laughs> <laughs> Samantha's like, awesome. She's like <laughs> the ambassador to research. Yeah, and yeah, yeah she's yeah. amazing. Um, it's always nice. And she actually played, she played a huge role and and you as well um but it started with her in helping mm-hmm. me start you McClingo trial and not losing yeah. my mind yeah. <laughs> like she yeah, okay. in those early days she really like saved my sanity for <laughs> for a few months so thank you samantha anything you ever need i got you samantha uh and you too daniel because you came in right after because then she got hired and she's like, hey, you know what? Like, I know you still need help, but Daniel. And so then we picked up. So now you guys are like the power couple kind of <laughs> kind of both collaborating yeah. on helping us with occasional projects here and there on the side. Yeah, we should good. start a, an Instagram account. Like that. You actually should. <laughs> you know, her being a couple. background in travel, <laughs> travel. Um, yeah. I think there is a lot that she can bring from travel industry. I mean, for for anyone for anyone new that don't know Samantha, she was not at all uh, familiar with clinical research. She came from tourism, and she made the switch right after the pandemic hit. Uh, so Thanks it to is you. possible to Thanks transition. To I kind of lightly pushed <laughs> a little, but I'm. We're really glad that she did the. Because how did stop? So uh, you met Samantha already, so you were already engaged. And then you were somehow you found us the CRA Academy, right? How did this happen? Like the timeline, I'm I'm confused a little as well. I I think I started following you around 2016 or 2015. You know, like 
I was wow. watching your videos, yeah, randomly here and there. I was kind of interested. Uh, but then I got really into it after I left my previous company, like uh, the one I ran for over five, six years. And then I decided to go full ahead with with the course. So that's how I found the CRA Academy. And yeah, fast forward, I also mentioned to Samantha that they had a CRC Academy. Because if she had no biology background or science background, that could be a really um, uh, a good step into what you can get at. You know? Wow. And Samantha, I mean, I would ha- Monica would confirm, but the CRC Academies since 2020 exist, since 2019, really. So it's like a little bit younger than CRA. CRA, we've been since 2016. Mm-hmm. But Samantha is like in the CRC Academy Hall of Fame. Like she's one of <laughs> she's one of the top five students we've ever had. And I think Monica would out say the same. Uh from the CRC <laughs> Academy. For the CRA Academy, we don't really have a Hall of Fame. I think everyone's more or less good. Because okay. the differentiator is like here's the kind of the differentiator is like if you have a healthcare background, especially RN mm-hmm. or just any kind of work in healthcare we kind of recommend CRA and then if you don't Mm -hmm. we recommend CRC but then even if you do we recommend CRC so CRC actually has more students but yeah Samantha's memorable because she's (laughs) zero background but managed to be like one of the hall of famer from our CRC academy (laughs) so that's that's pretty amazing and it's really cool that you guys work in the industry together Um, but what you, you you said you'd left your company and went full steam into research. What was that company? Mm-hmm. What did you do there? Oh, I was in the foods and beverages company. We actually sold CBD products. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Yep. <laughs> Back in, we started in 2015, August 2015. In Spain? Yeah. Yeah, in Spain. And right before we... The world knew about the pandemic. We sold the company, so it was like if we were three to four days delayed, that deal would not have gone through. <laughs> wow! So yep. a matter of days, yep. and you were what was your position? Like I'm assuming something high up in the company. Or... I was COO slash scientific advisor. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so COO. So the new the new company that came in and took over they acquired mm-hmm. yep they didn't want to keep you there they had their own COO yes they or? did okay. no they didn't want me to keep there but I refused I wanted to <laughs> first of all I, like I hadn't had a break in over five years no weekends no holidays nothing you know it was a very young company and we built it up day after day hour after hour so I said you know what I need a sabbatical, at least six months <laughs> of doing nothing. But wow. those six months became a year of pandemic, <laughs> right? I mean, feel for, and so maybe we'll go on a little tangent, but at that time, probably right before COVID, mm-hmm. 2018 and really 2019, I was nerding out over CBD. I, I bought a book <laughs> this thick. And I read, I was reading, I remember reading on a plane that was, I was convinced that was going to be the next industry 
that I mm-hmm. bring to research. And I had a group of partners and everything. Like they, one of the guys was from uh, Entrepreneur Magazine. Like he's the founder. Oh, okay. His dad was the mm-hmm. founder. So he's the CEO now of Entrepreneur Magazine. So he was going to do the marketing. Then we had operationals guy. Mm-hmm. I was going to do the research side. And the right. deal fell through, not because of COVID. It fell through because mm-hmm. no one was able to focus. Uh, <laughs> everyone had like their <laughs> own business already. And no one could be the glue to kind of put it. But I was I was Goodbye. studying the hell out of CBD, man. For people who followed me back then, you would have seen my Instagram stories was all about CBD, CBD research. We need more research yeah, into this. That was the wow. greatest new thing back then. So you must be like an expert on that stuff. Are you like at the end of the day, do you see a lot of promise in the CBD? Like why are they not doing more research? Honestly, like back then, at least, it was all regulation and law. You know, like that was the big bottleneck. Uh, but to be honest, after I the deal went through, after I left that company, I hadn't followed at all. I was ready to <laughs> just dwell into research. Do you think you would ever come back full circle? Like if the CBD does get busy in research now? Because I still think it's possible. I just mm-hmm. think COVID delayed it because of mRNA oh, and uh, monoclonal antibodies. All this stuff's mm-hmm. going to take a front seat. But a CBD is still there and it still has yeah. a huge growing support. Yeah, we actually interviewed one of the top researchers, researchers in, in Madrid. Uh, Manuel Guzman and his research on cannabinoids alone he studied I think over 15-20 years only on cannabinoids and how they could potentially be the next big thing for cancer research and yeah the promise is there Uh, based on his research alone I would say yeah it, it could be and I think you're right COVID just delayed unfortunately the funding but, went to mrna technology and <laughs> <yes>. monoclonal <laughs> antibodies which was something happening before any mm-hmm. an- monoclonal antibodies this tidal wave that can't be stopped but mm-hmm. i think cbd somewhere in the top 10 of things yeah. that are exciting growth areas in this space i've also seen a lot of trna research just ah. popping its head out yeah so, so those two, e- mRNA and tRNA. Interesting. What's tRNA? Transfer. Uh, sorry, transfer. Translation. Okay. Okay. I, man, you know, yeah, that's another topic. I'm working on um, some projects, but getting into the science. But tRNA is the first first I've heard of uh, this, actually. Uh, I got to look <laughs> yeah. into that. Very yeah. Good. It's very interesting. So, okay, so then you decided to go full steam full steam ahead in clinical research. Um, why? You know, why? Coming from CBD, it sounds so cool. <laughs> but like you said, it was yeah. a lot of work. Like, But you don't seem like you avoid work. So what's like, what was the reason for, you just wanted uh, different? No, I actually discovered clinical research back in 2012. 20, yeah, I would say 2012. Um, you know, I have worked in wet labs so many years already. 
and I wanted something more, you know, uh, something different because lab work is very crucially important. But to me, doing the same thing over and over and over, expecting a different result was not doing it for me. <laughs> so I actually started as a CTA, as an intern in a in a in a clinic. So that was my real first experience in research, but. Shortly after that, uh, I started the master's. I went to R&D and I, and well, this the company basically they hunt they, they headhunted me. They wanted to work with me. Uh, based, I think they actually took a look at my thesis, and they found it really interesting. So I think that was the hook that got them, and. Uh, the it, research was always on the back of my head, you know. Like after I do this, I'll go back, and one year become became two, two became three, four, five until right before the pandemic. But until then, I was like, okay, there's no excuse. You can literally not go out. <laughs> start reading, start learning, uh, uh, enroll in some courses, and that's how I enrolled in the CRA Academy. Awesome. And I have I, I haven't stopped ever since. <laughs> what did you think of the CRA Academy? Like, what were your experiences? Oh. What were your expectations? And what were your experiences like? The course, fantastic. I I really loved it. And not just because I'm talking to you and wearing the t-shirt, but yeah, I've researched. I research also uh, courses in Spain and uh, like Spanish and English. And yours was the more structured, first of all. And I felt other offers didn't really add the value that I immediately saw. Okay, this is what I'm paying for, and this is what I'm getting through the website, like your website. Um, I also got a hand of the book, the the one you got right there. Thank and you. that Thank sealed the deal for me. Like I started reading that one first, and then I enrolled almost immediately after I, I finished it. But yeah, like 10 out of 10 for me. I would highly recommend it. And for people, again, who are not familiar with research, CRC is a very good way. Ask Sam. <laughs> She's a living embodiment of what you can achieve from knowing absolutely nothing about research and now working for one of the best uh, hospitals <laughs> in cancer research. It's truly, ama- it's truly <laughs> amazing. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah. And I thought you were going to say one of the best research company, Yuma Clinical Trial. <laughs> but <laughs> well, we can't, we can't course, compete with Harvard. <laughs> um, no, that's amazing. That's an amazing oh, story. We're, Daniel. we're getting there. We're getting there. We're getting there. I appreciate <laughs> the shirt. So, um, you know, there's, I think one of the other things that people don't realize is the many different jobs and mm. responsibility. First of all, like if you segment the stakeholders into sponsors, CRO sites, right? I mean, even most people don't even understand that, but if you can sub-segment all those too, and especially when you throw in vendors, like tech vendors like creos one right for our e-source or like patient recruitment vendors or 
IRBs or lab vendors. I mean, the list goes on and on. Like, and I'm trying to feature more of these individuals on my show. I'm going to have somebody from the um, vendor that actually makes the investigational product. Because it's not like, let's say Pfizer does a study. Well, they they can make like a molecule to test, mm-hmm. but they don't make it like at scale for all the sites to use. They they outsource right. that. Wow. That's so that's that's like another vendor people don't mm-hmm. think about. Actually, I talked to her yesterday. We're gonna have her on the show. It's called something like CMO or CDO. I, I wrote it down. People are gonna have to stay tuned okay. for that. But I've never <laughs> heard of it. I've been doing this 17 years. And I'm like, what is this acronym? And she told me, and this is basically what it stands for. So imagine how many, wow. like, I've been doing this 17 years. I haven't heard of it. Imagine somebody's brand new. How, like, how. Yeah, your brain literally expands. <laughs> it's unreal. And you, yeah. you now, CRC2. So, what was your, after mm-hmm. the CRA Academy internship, what was your first role besides Yuma Kalanko Trails? Um, mm-hmm your first role in the industry outside of our internship and Yuma Kalango trials, like what was your first role? So my, literally my first experience back in 2012 was a CTA. That was the very first. Then during the masters, I was a CRC for their clinic. Uh, It's in Pamplona. It's to Clinica Universidad de Pamplona. Uh, That was my second a real work experience. I was hired, right? And then my third and now current, well, the third one would be Yuma. And my fourth one right now, it's uh, MGH. It's Massachusetts General Hospital as a CRC2. CRC2. And what, so walk us that's, through. That's the timeline. Walk us through what a CRC2 does at an organization mm-hmm. like this. A lot of people watching they don't know you know maybe they work at small sites or maybe they don't work at any sites and they want to decide what kind mm-hmm. of company they want to work so what is a crc how is it different from crc1 what are the other roles there and then what do you actually do on a day-to-day basis mm-hmm. uh, well, based on my experience the difference between one and two is basically the years of experience um the amount of work i would say that you have to deal with because CRC is two, sorry, one, at least at MGH, I would say they handle maybe two studies at a time. Usually one, but maybe two. Uh, And now, as a CRC2, I'm not only handling four studies, I'm also training other CRCs, right? So... All the work that I've been doing, I have to teach them how to deal with IRB submissions, how to deal with the protocol, how to even contact the the PIs because they might not be available whenever we need them to sign paperwork. <laughs> and that's a very big thing. Uh, but yeah, my basically responsibilities are dealing with the protocols, the, the IRB submissions, and handling the informed consent. I have to talk to the patients, um, let them know what the study is about, and if they're willing or not to to participate in. That's wow. Like on the at the core, that's my responsibility. So basically, when a patient comes in, like you're you're doing the consenting with them, and 
maybe the PI on the day mm -hmm. of screening? Mm -hmm. yeah. Interesting. Okay, I'll ask you a little bit about that because I've done, I actually did that today for a new study we have. We have a that new atopic derm study that you made the source for. <laughs> so I actually <laughs> did the, uh, I have my own little strategies for how I explain the consent form, but I wanted to get your take on that. Uh, but do you, sure. so you work from the office, then you go in every day or is it remote? Whenever we have to recruit, I go to the hospital. I mean, I have my physical office where I work and the hospital is a few blocks away. The other days I work remote from home because I have to just deal with paperwork and amendments. I see. Do you have to like, you choose when you do both or you need to tell somebody today I'm going to the office or... We usually have uh, every morning a list of patients who have been admitted. And from that list of patients, we determine, okay, for this study, which is opioid use disorder, who are the ones that, with the criteria that are eligible? From those, we contact them and see who is willing to participate or not. I see. So it's it's constantly something new mm -hmm. happening yeah. because it's, of the MGH big hospital, they get new admissions and mm -hmm. Boston's a big yeah. city. So you, you get plenty of patients coming through. Yeah. Uh, like one of the bottlenecks actually, like this is a very important issue that we need to focus on. It's the, uh, the discharge uh, against medical advice. So, like most uh, of these patients, we found out that they just want to leave for X reason. Of course, they don't need to explain us why. They just want to leave, and they do. So, if they started uh, the study, they are a week or two weeks into it, they just leave. And we have no data to work on. So, that's a very big issue that we're trying to handle right now with at least this kind of population with opioid use disorder. Yeah, opioid use disorder is tough. My PI and I were talking about that a few weeks ago. If, if we ever get this study, they told us we've been selected, so I'm waiting to start the study. Mm -hmm. But um, the this population's unique because mm -hmm. retention is very tough. It's one of those studies yeah. where recruitment's kind of easy, but retention is tough. Um, yeah, that's a big thing. And then with MGH, so is I'm gathering that it's mostly inpatient studies you're doing, or are you also mm -hmm. doing outpatient? Uh, inpatient. Inpatient. Mm -hmm. But but MGH does have outpatient centers, right? Yeah, 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 of course. Yes. Oh, okay, but those are different departments. If they do research mm -hmm. there, it's separate There's people. It's very, um, the CRC next to me, I think she's working on some uh, vaping studies <laughs> using wow. the, the well the famous one <laughs> yeah. yeah i don't want to mention any no, names everybody but... knows who it is <laughs> <laughs> yeah and that was really interesting to look at there's psychology there's heart disease there's of course all types of medical conditions that uh, mgh works on interesting so, so yeah, you're it's... you're assigned to the inpatient which are in a way mm -hmm. more challenging the consenting process must be different than for a, a uh, inpatient um, because it leads us back. You know, one of your primary roles is consenting patients. 
for the new studies, I usually do the first few consent until my staff, Katie and Desiree, who you know uh, mm-hmm. through Zoom, I teach them how to do it. And basically, every study has like a has like a Cliff Notes version of the drug, right? The IP. So once you learn the, at least this is the way I do it. Rather than reading every page, I mean, we can do that if the patient wants to, but I give them like a summary of the drug, everything we know about it in like easy to understand terms. Like this is a monoclonal antibody. This is what that means. This is the possible benefit. This are the risks. I feel like that's a little bit easier, maybe not easier, but more laid back in an outpatient setting because it's not an emergency necessarily. and. With inpatient, I've only done a few inpatient studies in my life. I feel like it's much more pressured, like time sensitive. Is that what you're finding too? Yes. Again, they have very different reasons why they would like to leave. Um, Some are homeless. Some have very limited income. Some have family members to take care of. All these different reasons create... Uh, this issue that we're having to have them actually stay in the hospital for the duration of the study. Some do, yes, we do, uh, but still, it's something that uh, we've been cracking our skulls to to really uh, come up with a solution to to not only provide this uh, the help that they need, that they need, but also to gather quality data. Do you, do you feel like, I mean, the way I explain how I do ICFs, you know, I'm not trying to say if it's right or wrong. It's just my style. I'm actually interested in Mm -hmm. science. So I lean towards explaining the science to the patient in terms I can understand. And then if they have further questions, we bring the PI. Do you, and it feels, I feel like you also have like the proclivity towards science. Do you kind of do the same Mm -hmm. thing? Like kind of give them a, general overview of like the drug mechanism of action or do you like simplify it to the point of just kind of the way the study is and not necessarily focusing on the drug yes i try to simplify it as much as possible um of course us that have been in the industry we always think science-based but for someone who is research naive they might not know what a drug is right what a medication actually works, the pharmacokinetics and pharmacodynamics. So I always try to put it as simply as I can. Even if if I put in my if I put a five year old and I explain it and they can explain it back to me, I know I'm I'm good to go. But yeah, sometimes it's uh, again this patient population uh, has its complications to work with. Again, the, this need to leave the hospital as soon as possible, it's the bottleneck that we're facing. How many, on average, how many days do you consent, or how many consents do you do per day or per week? Uh, on a good day, I would say 10 per day. 10 per day? Mm-hmm. So yeah. you guys are doing like 50 a week, and that's just but, from you. Yeah, but we, I, at least I don't do it every day. 
Right? I see. Yeah, yeah. Because from the list that they send us every morning, not everyone is eligible. Right? I they see. might have opioid use disorder, but still there are other considerations to take take into. So Wow. Yeah. On a on a bad day, zero, of course. <laughs> but on average I would say uh, five. A good day ten. And that's only wow. one. Wow. I mean, I'm happy when we do like three screenings in a week um, yeah. at Enuma Clinical Trials, but I'm trying to get to like five a week where we do one every week. Um, mm-hmm. well, we, it's just me and two coordinators and an NP, so it's kind of hard um, to accommodate that because remember the screening's randomized too, so then the visits add up. So right now we're doing like five to seven visits on average across all studies mm-hmm. a week, uh, which is pretty good, but I'd like to double that in a few months mm-hmm. if we yeah. can. Um, that's interesting. I was always curious. And I got to ask, because you guys use local IRBs, and I'm debating changing our SOPs. Do, do you guys, and I just did this today too, do you guys have the patient initial and date every page on the informed consent? <laughs> yes. Even if the IRB doesn't have them do it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Me too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I, I've always preferred it that way. Uh, I'm doing it that way. <laughs> so maybe I won't revise the SOPs. It's just one of my coordinators, and she brought up a good point. Like, why do we do this if the IRB mm-hmm. doesn't mandate it? And I said, well, it's because our SOP, this is how it is. And mm-hmm. I was debating changing it, but I'm also debating keeping it because it shows that we're actually going through yeah, you know, exactly. thoroughly. You're, yeah, you're looking at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Curious. Yeah. So I think you've convinced me to leave it, at least for a while. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Interesting. So now you just do the consenting. So who takes over the screening after you're done? Uh, well, that would be the PI. The PI, and then, well, what about the CRC, like vitals and all that stuff? Like, you don't do any uh, of that? We have nurses. Mm. And mm-hmm. they all document their own thing. Mm-hmm. And then the yeah. source, paper or e-source? E-source. I go to e-source. RedCap, all the one we use, and everything is there. Mm-hmm. Do you Do you think... It's very similar to Creo, or do you have a preference? Um, they're very similar. I I wouldn't say necessarily one is better than the other. At the end of the day, they capture data. So yeah. it's just a matter of where it is, each item. So, and yeah. style. style and, and the style, colors. Kind of <laughs> Once you've seen one, you've basically seen them all. You've seen them all. That's what I tell the students <laughs> too. Like, hey, we only use Bioclinica in our in mm-hmm. our um, yeah. theory academy, and we're starting to give them uh, some access to Creo. Uh, we have to make like a mock study in there for Creo. Um, I have to talk to Monica about that, but yeah, otherwise it's basically the same. And then Viva Viva is coming out with a free e-source for sites mm-hmm. which okay. is something brand new that they're going to do so that'll be something interesting we can play with too in both the academies uh mm-hmm. cra and crc academy so it's, like it's very demo. exciting yeah well no they give like the basically the whole thing free it's not oh, as wow. um yeah they're 
they're refining it, but it's um it's free. Like you can do it's everything that the other e-sources have. There's wow. no Okay, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah, that's <laughs> I'll be announcing something soon um <laughs> with them cuz I'm that's one of the companies that I really think like Viva and I've been saying this for a while but Viva is one of those companies if you look at the stock price and so 27 billion dollar market cap I mean they're the size market cap wise of like a CRO like one of the big CROs wow and it's pure tech like everything mm-hmm. is tech and for the last decade they've been on the sponsor side they're a household name for every sponsor Especially when it comes to Susar, serious mm-hmm. uh, unexpected. Uh, serious. What is that? Oh my gosh! Now I'm forgetting. <laughs> Suspected unexpected serious adverse reaction. They're like a household that they dominate that market for decades, but now and they we're getting into e pros, but now they're getting into the sites, e source, e reg. Mm. So once we digitize data in our industry. I think it's going to make it easier to or more efficient to actually mm. collect the data, analyze the data, process it, and really for right. AI to analyze it. Yeah, until the robots take over. Until the robots <laughs> take I mean, that's <laughs> the natural extension, it. right? I <laughs> think we're at least 50 years away from that. Yeah. Because if you think about just what you do, right, on a daily basis, <laughs> like as a CRC2, I mean, that's like 10, not even 10%. That's maybe 5% of the what a site has to do for mm-hmm. a study. Mm-hmm. So, and what you do cannot be automated by AI mm-hmm. or algorithms. Mm-hmm. Not yet. Not yet. See, they would have to have somebody, AI would have to be as smart as you to be able to anticipate questions. Mm-hmm. Answer to according to, to IRB, human. adapt mm-hmm. to a human, and on top of that, have it IRB approved. I don't think in our lifetime, even the 5% of yeah, the way, no. what you do <laughs> can be outsourced. So the people that are afraid of the AIs, uh, that's definitely coming. Yes. But it's so <laughs> much further than we think. But that is, you're right, that is the next step mm-hmm. is digitizing, get everything digitized. It is one step closer. And mm-hmm. little piece by pieces will eventually start getting automated. But I think roles will then change. Like somebody, oh, you yeah. know, you're going to have a new job to do at that point. We just don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah, nobody knows. <laughs> That's a crazy industry to be a part of, man. And you got in at the right time. I think we're entering a golden era of of research. Wow. Hmm. I thought, yeah, wow. <laughs> So what are your like career ambitions, you know, long term? Like what mm-hmm. do you where do you see yourself? Are you still experimenting with where you fit in or do you have like a plan for your career trajectory? Yeah, um as many who find out about research, one of your goals let's say is to become a CRA, right? Because that's that's like the poster child for clinical research. Yeah, and I, I really, I mean, right now I wouldn't like to travel as much, but that's just me, right? 
So I'm not all, all only looking or specifically looking for a CRA position. I'm looking for something remote and more into the project management uh, of, of of research. That I think that would be my main midterm uh, goal. And yeah, uh, from being a CTA to a CRC, um, I want something more speedier. Again, more project management. My experience managing the company taught me really a lot about myself that I always want to pursue the next big thing, you know, like manage people, manage uh, the timelines, calendars. Uh, like I am someone who likes the chaos <laughs> mm-hmm. of managing things. And yeah, I love organization and automatis- automatizing all the tasks that can be automatized. So yeah, that's that's my midterm goal. Well, you're in the right place, you're in the right industry, and you're probably at the right company to do it internally, but there's certainly mm-hmm. many you know, many companies outside as well, uh, in this space. And there's a lot of people on LinkedIn and a lot of people that I try to bring yeah. onto these podcasts. So it's a it's a important I think for all of us to network in this space yeah. like I, you know, it's, it's easy to network with your colleagues but like in in your own company but outside it's you know probably even more valuable i just had a talk with ashley margo uh, we were going through my cv and just based on the recommendations like i went through to the cra academy uh, classes Oh, did she do the she did the internship, mm-hmm. the CRA Academy internship mm-hmm. class today, right? Uh, I will. I, I don't know. I I went back to. The oh, you I did the one on one. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. And um, ever since I adjusted my CV based on her recommendations, I've been getting lots of recruiters uh, reaching out. So, hey, you might be interested in having a thirty-minute conversation. Uh, wow. I might have something for you, uh, and at least at the, on average, at least I get four of those messages per week. Wow! So just <laughs> the power of like actually working on your CV and putting it on LinkedIn—it really made a difference. Wow! So you so you changed your CV and mm-hmm. you. Because my CV before, my CV, my CV was seven pages long, maybe eight, and now it's set up four. But actually, suggested that I might cut it a little. Uh, but yeah, that, that was it. Ash, Ashley's like a resume CV genius. This, yeah, this girl <laughs> has a mastered at her young age, like master. I can't imagine when she's like. 40 yeah <laughs> i mean 10 mm-hmm. more years or however <laughs> old she is like I, I just can't imagine how much better she's gonna get because this girl she works for the cra and crc academy students so they'll do your resume for free um you know, she teaches our internship classes now every month two a month we improved our product since you left now <laughs> actually teaches two classes to the interns every month so not only you're done with the wow. three-month class 
But now for the rest of your life, as long as you want, you'll have two classes every month by Ashley in there as well. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, it's really big improvement. Jeez. Okay. Well, Daniel, is there anything else that we didn't touch on? Um, um, <laughs> I'm kind of glad we did this interview because I feel it's better than our first one. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> what, anything I mean, we didn't touch one, on? On the first one, we touched a little bit more about the immigration process. I mean, if you are on the fiancé visa, you can either get a lawyer or do it yourself. Of course, doing it yourself, it's a lot of headache. It's binders after binders of just paperwork we did ourselves <laughs> CRA Academy <laughs> organization skills um, but after that we really needed the help of a, of a lawyer because there's some very specific lingo and some very specific know-how that they do possess uh, I'm not saying that's what I got the, the visa but it is highly recommended just for you, for your, uh, to keep your mind safe, you know, that everything is done correctly. Yeah, no, that's super important. Latinos in Klinger Research just had a webinar. Um, we had an immigration attorney. It was an hour, mm. just immigration yeah. attorney. By the way, everybody join latinosinklingerresearch.com, no matter <laughs> your background. Uh, I'm a Caucasian male and I, I'm a member, so <laughs> anybody can join. Um, I got some translation articles there. <laughs> yeah, trans, uh, and you've actually helped a lot, what Monica said, with the CRC Academy like materials. So mm-hmm. thank you, Daniel. Yep. That was what you were doing in between jobs. And I'm I'm curious, did all that stuff, did you find a way to put all those tasks that you did on your resume to help you get your first job? Yes. Yes, I wrote about the translation uh, project and the book project. Wow. See, everything helps. It's just a matter of mm-hmm. demonstrating that to a potential employer. Because I have so many people watching and listening that say, hey, you know, I've done this, this, this. I know how to do this. And then I look at their CV and I can't tell. It's not clear to me any of that stuff. Yep, exactly. Even if sometimes you think it won't help, but if you had, I don't know, a course in opioid use disorder or you were a volunteer in a hospital or a clinic or an elderly uh, house and the research is about or will lead to those uh, kind of backgrounds, it could help. Uh, I mean, I hate to be cliche, but (laughs) Steve Jobs said, like, you cannot connect the dots looking forward. You can connect that looking back. All your experiences, all your knowledge that you've been acquiring over the years will finally make sense when you connect them, you know, like (laughs) all of that, Mm -hmm. looking back. So, yeah, I mean, again, my experience has been broad. I've worked for fertilization clinics. I've worked, uh, of course, as a waiter. I've worked as a scientific advisor, a COO. I work on avocado research. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they wanted to find out the right temperature for to ship them from one country to another. So 
<laughs> that was interesting. I wow. What did I not do? That's the right question. Both <laughs> That's the right question. inside professional and out like leisure. You know, I've I've done many things. But That's awesome. yeah, like clinical research. That's the place to be. So <laughs> if anybody wants to connect with Daniel, right, um we're gonna send them to your LinkedIn. Is that okay? Yeah. Yeah. Uh Daniel Torres. The link will be underneath this video and in the show notes. Uh, I'm looking at his LinkedIn right now. And yeah, I could see Ashley Mario shows me immediately. Ashley Margo and Monica as your connection. So <laughs> there you guys go. Um, connect with Daniel. Everybody feel free to reach out. Obviously, he knows so much like we could have done three hours and we'll probably do follow-ups. I really want to do the next one. You and Samantha together. Okay. Yeah. And you guys, you guys are engaged or have you tended we, not? We actually celebrated our first year marriage. <laughs> oh, marriage. Yes. Wow. <laughs> so you guys got married in 2021, Se September. September 16th. Wow, <laughs> congrats, because I was going to ask, yeah. when's the wedding, man? What's going on? <laughs> okay. We had a very small wedding. It was still COVID time, so yeah, uh, we, we couldn't have family fly over and that. So we had well, to now that you made it official, and good, very good <laughs> choice, by the way, with Samantha, um, we got to do the group, the husband and wife, happy... <laughs> Happy marriage, happy researchers. I think that's, um, mm -hmm. I don't think we've yeah. done that before. So we'll definitely have to do that. So shout out to you and Samantha. Everybody, thank you so much for watching, listening. Like I said, go connect with Daniel. His LinkedIn is underneath. This guy is going to definitely go places in this industry. And I've, I've been really lucky to get both you and Samantha to help me out with my startup Yuma clinical trials and now it's not so much so much a startup anymore it's becoming yeah, that's, that's uh mature great, more mature um so thank I you might, daniel i might invest <laughs> <laughs> we won't get to that point you know i oh, think that's <laughs> um yeah there's there's definitely some opportunities though in the at the site the small local site space oh. that uh we could probably discuss to you on another podcast but Thank you so much, Daniel. I really appreciate oh, it. You. And uh, Guru Nation appreciates it too. Everybody go connect, like, subscribe, comment, share.